Wisdom is knowing when to apply it, how to apply it, where to apply it. And today, I really want to talk through this idea of knowing when to walk away once you realize that you've been romanticizing something, because this is huge. It's one thing to recognize it, and it's another thing to do something about it. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. This is the space that you come to each and every week to learn more about what it means to chase purpose, not money. And I'm so excited about this solo episode because as we continue to explore in this season, the idea of redefining love. Again, one of the big things is really about redefining self-love. And I have found that you know, as you increase self-love, your tolerance for what doesn't serve you decreases. And that means that it's going to be important that you have at least an idea or some things to consider when you realize that tolerance is low and it may be time to walk away. Now, why is this so important in a space that's supposed to be a personal finance podcast? Well, if you are brand new here, here's what you need to know. Wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. The original 12th century definition of wealth is the condition of well-being. And so you need to be well in your relationships. You need to be well in your environments. You need to be well in whatever situations life finds you in. And when you're not well, and when you can get honest about not being well, then really it's going to have an impact on your finances because what you're experiencing will spill into all the other parts of your life. And inevitably, eventually, they will affect your finances as well. So before we jump into this week's episode, if you're not familiar with the six pillars of wealth that I teach from, I really, really, really want you to consider going over to patricewashington.com. You can click on start here and you will learn more about the six pillars. You'll even be introduced to a quiz that you can take so that you can figure out which one of these pillars is the one that's really impacting me in this season. And so once you get through the quiz, you definitely can learn more about different ways that you can redefine wealth for yourself and start to clean up those pillars, whether it be uh, my book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, or the Redefining Wealth membership, or one of my programs, there is support. You don't have to stay stuck because I definitely want to see you go to new heights in your financial life, but your life in general. All right. So before we jump into this week's episode, let's get into the affirmation of the week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is I live an authentic life on purpose. I am no longer accepting a life on autopilot. I understand that being on autopilot and not questioning where, what, why, and how I do what I do has lulled me into routine and complacency that no longer serves me. I get intentional about allowing myself to be stretched. 
I delight in discomfort because I recognize it as an invitation to take radical action. I give myself permission to question what no longer serves me and put myself in spaces that can support my next dimension. I know I'm living authentically when I make decisions that feel good for me and to me without the need to explain it to a soul outside of me. I live an authentic life on purpose. All right. As normal, you know, I love to share from my own life experience. I always say that the podcast is like huge public accountability. And I am so grateful because the more I share and the more I teach, the deeper my conviction gets for my own self-love journey. I want to be the poster child for what is possible, right? Um, As you continue to grow in this life and in your journey. And one of the things that I've realized that is that in order to truly amplify self-love, we have to address and accept the unromanticized reality that we are living in. There is no way for us to recondition things that we refuse to recognize, that we refuse to face. And one of the things that I've been saying, uh, you know, for the last year or so is that I have really been on this journey of just being radically honest. And when you are radically honest with yourself, when you are willing to go what's working and what's not working and acknowledge what's going on in the gap and acknowledge who you may need to become to get to what you say you desire, it's hard work. And the hard work is always the hard work. It's always the thing that just, you got to go deep. It's not the surface level stuff, right? That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is gathering all the information and education, and we are so good at that. But wisdom is knowing how to apply it. And many of you have been listening to this podcast and other podcasts and reading books and collecting and saving all of these great quotes on social media, and yet you refuse to apply it. And where there's a lack of wisdom, people perish, right? Like we're not applying it. Wisdom is knowing when to apply it, how to apply it, where to apply it. And today, I really want to talk through this idea of knowing when to walk away once you realize that you've been romanticizing something, because this is huge. It's one thing to recognize it, and it's another thing to do something about it. Many of us, if we're honest, recognize that we are in spaces that no longer serve us, but we're not willing to do anything about it. And I don't mean that you need to quit your job tomorrow. I don't mean that you need to leave a relationship tomorrow. I don't mean that you need to move out of a city tomorrow, but the awareness is what helps create the action plan to recognize either I need to change or this situation needs to change but something's not right and I don't feel fulfilled. I know I'm not operating at the highest and best use of what God put me here to do and something has to change. And in this journey for me, I realized that acknowledging where I have romanticized things and accepting an unromanticized reality really has helped me see that 
any challenges that I may have thought I had with forgiving others was really not about forgiving them. Because if I was honest, they were who they were. That culture of that workplace was what it was before I got there, right? This person, I may find myself in romantic relationship with or partnership in in a work situation or anything. They didn't change anything. This is who they were. So I'm not struggling to forgive them. I'm sometimes struggling to forgive myself for not honoring the signs that I saw in the beginning. Many of us are really hurt by the fact that we knew all along something wasn't right and we continue down a path. And now it feels like, well, I've been at this job for five years, right? And at least they bring donuts and free coffee on Fridays. At least they give us nice Christmas bonuses. At least I have a nice office. At least the parking spot has my name on it. Um, You know, in relationships, well, at least uh, he's cute. (laughs) At least uh, she comes home at night. At least, and we start to rationalize. And you've probably heard me say this before. I believe that when we rationalize, we're rationing out lies. First to ourselves, then to others. To justify why we are still in a place that literally does not serve us. And we romanticize by trying to force ourselves to pinpoint little glimmers of hope. (laughs) You know with this expectation that that will make it okay and I'll just have to get past it. And with time, all things will heal and all this stuff that when we're honest, two, five, 10, 15, 20 years go by and we know that something didn't serve us in the first six weeks. We knew in the first three months we were not in the right place. We knew in the first year that it wasn't gonna work. And, but we keep striving and forcing and pushing and trying to manipulate outcomes. And I have just found that that rarely works. Now, does that say, or does that mean that in the meantime, when we're in a situation, we're in a relationship, we're in a a workplace, we're in an environment, that they're not good moments? Of course, they're good moments, hopefully. Of course, um, you know, we learn in the journey. I don't regret my journey for anything. I have a tattoo on my back that says one life, no regrets. And I mean that. I don't regret anything. I'm the same person who taught you that you could fight to find the gratitude in anything. And I believe that. There are so many things from different work situations I've experienced. There are so many things from my marriage, uh, my former marriage that I, you know, that I experienced that were blessings for sure. And I wouldn't be the woman that I am today without them. You wouldn't be the man or woman that you are today without those things. But as you continue to grow and as you desire to get off autopilot and become more authentic, who you are today and the awareness that you have today is not what you had 5, 10, 15 years ago. So we will never weaponize who we are today, the wisdom that we carry today against that version of ourselves. But that's not an excuse to stay in a place today that you know no longer serves you without at least an action plan or an idea of how you can either shift the environment, shift the spirit, shift something, or be prepared to exit. 
So I have some things that I've been considering, I've been working through with clients and I'm seeing the results and the breakthroughs from clients. And so now I feel even more comfortable because, you know, as someone who teaches from their own life experience so much, you have to be careful just because you can transform your life doesn't mean you can transform others, right? And so as I continue to walk this out with the ladies in my mastermind. So there's the Mastery and Momentum Mastermind, uh, which kicked off January 1st of this year. And so I'm seeing as I walk them through this process of not romanticizing reality anymore, becoming more authentic, getting off autopilot, I'm seeing the fruits of what this work can do. So now I feel much more comfortable just talking about it more openly, right? When I did Pillar Mastery, which is coming up again, which is a six-week intensive, also, you know, around the same thing, it's all about getting off autopilot so you can be more authentic and have deeper conviction around trusting yourself to make the right decisions for you. That's essentially what six months or six weeks, both these containers are about, right? Um, and so now that I'm getting to do that work, and if you're interested, let me just say, you can go to patricewashington.com and click on coaching and courses. I believe that tab is. But now that I'm getting to see the work and I've seen, you know, most recently for me, it was a romantic relationship. But, you know, in Mastery Momentum for one of my ladies, it was the decision to leave a church she had been at for many, many years. In Pillar Mastery, um, it was a decision to walk away from a job where she was not being respected, right? These are different situations, but what I'm teaching you is from this idea of how do you process what life is giving you to process? Like what's your process for processing? And so today is about what's your process for processing? Is it time to walk away from something? And how do I stop romanticizing this? So at the end, I'm going to give you some very specific questions, but let me just set it up this way. Um, first of all, in order to walk this out, you have to know yourself. You can't walk this out if you are unfamiliar with you. And many of us have designed lives that were rooted in what everyone else wanted us to be and what we thought we should be and who people told us we should be. And so now we can't trust our own voices because we don't know our own voice. We don't know what we want. We don't know what we like. We don't know what we desire. It's hard to make a decision to walk away when you're not certain about who you are and whether you can stand on your own, whether you can get another job or start a new gig or build your own business or start a new life, go to a new city. If you don't know yourself, that's very difficult to do. And so before you can start just, you know, I think, walking away, unless there's like abuse, like especially physical abuse of some kind, before you can just walk away, you got to know yourself. This is the beauty of the work we've been doing in Mastery Momentum and Pillar Mastery, right? You got to know everything that makes you tick, what you want, what you like, what you deserve, what you desire. Like I'm big on having lists around things like list it so you know it, so you can revisit it. So you can have conviction around who you are and what you say you want. Every other month, I attend a Super Friends brunch where we talk about everything from purpose to pursuing new dreams and even 
menopause. Yep, you heard me, menopause. Because if you're over 40 and your girlfriends don't keep it real, I don't know what to tell you. But we have these important conversations because how can we redefine wealth if we're not keeping up with our hormonal health? Now, we discovered Happy Mammoth. It's the company that created Hormone Harmony and it's dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for us. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. Hormone Harmony contains herbal extracts called aptogens that help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally. And any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take Hormone Harmony. It's perfect for hot flashes, night sweats, menopause-related brain fog, sleeplessness, occasional bloating and gas. You get the picture. Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com by using the code RW at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RW for 15% off. Someone just can't come up to me and tell me, well, you look like you want blah, blah, blah. No, I can tell you what I want. I'm very clear. Very clear. You can't come and tell me what my values are. You can't come and tell me what my governing decisions are, which is actually number two. So let's get into it. First, you have to know yourself. Second, you have to have some governing decisions already in place. Sherry Salata, um, who is brilliant. She's the former executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey show. She's done trainings in my community for my ladies and I adore her. She's just amazing. She taught us about this idea of governing decisions. And what I learned for myself is there is just certain uh, behavior that Patrice Washington will not tolerate. The, like, there are just certain things that don't work for me. And I don't have to get a consensus or validation, especially from someone who desires to harm me in some way that it's normal or it's common, or this is just how it is, or this is just how men talk, or this is just, listen, certain things don't work for me. I've made a governing decision that I will not be talked to any kind of way. So when someone brings this idea of it's okay to call women out their name, I've already made a governing decision that doesn't work for me. So it really doesn't matter who it is because sometimes we get so attached to the person as opposed to being attached to like our own values. My values trump that. How I know I deserve and desire to be treated will always trump that. It's a governing decision I've already made. So now I don't have to romanticize a person that speaks like that. For what? I don't have to rationalize. For what? If you make a governing decision that you spend your evenings with your children and you don't respond to anything work-related after 6.30 p.m., a boss that continuously disrespects you by calling at 10 p.m. once you've shared that with them, what are we trying to rationalize about this workplace situation? Like, what are we trying to rationalize about that environment? It's clearly out of alignment because you've already made a governing decision. Now, when there's special projects or big launches or things going on, can you flex that a little bit? Of course, of course. But when it becomes a pattern, 
and you've brought it to their attention and awareness and they've dismissed it and continue down this path. Now you're dishonoring yourself. Now you're romanticizing it. Well, this is, this is such a great opportunity. If we believe that God is our source, anything else is just a resource. These resources can be swapped out. If I found one, I can find another. That's my personal belief. Because I believe if God is my source, God is my source. It's always going to come together for my good. Right? So what are your governing decisions? Because when you can filter behavior and patterns and feelings and conversations through what you've already decided is best for you, then now it becomes easier to make decisions. Right? Next so first, we have to know ourselves. Second, have some governing decisions already in place. And third, be willing to embrace radical honesty. And that's about being honest with yourself about how you feel, right? How do you feel? I remember when I was in my early 20s, um, I actually was working with a family member. And I remember driving down the highway to get to that office and as soon as I was like an exit or two away, my stomach would start to turn. My stomach would start to turn. I would start to feel physically sick. Um, I would start to get a little anxious because I'm, I knew she was very argumentative. And I'm a person that likes to start the day in peace. I've always been that way. I've never been a person who could wake up and turn on the TV and listen to all this stuff really loud. Um, I listen to music, but it has to be like, you know, a certain vibe um, and all that. And she was the complete opposite and just ready to argue, ready to have a problem about something. And it would give me such anxiety. And it got to a point where there was a liquor store near um, our office and I would get off the freeway and I would go to the liquor store. And at first I was just getting coffee. And then the guy at the liquor store was like, you ever had Kahlua and coffee. And then it was like Bailey's Irish cream and coffee. And then that just became a thing. And I remember it was months. Every day I would stop and get a coffee and I would be coming in sometimes. And as soon as they saw my car pull in, the guy would make it for me. I was 22 years old. I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly. But the truth is when we're not honest with ourselves, and we're trying to rationalize why we stay in places that don't serve us. We all find different ways to cope. I was never an alcoholic. I caught it, you know, a couple months. I was like, okay, you're drinking 830 in the morning every day. This, this not really, you're not really set up for this type of life. This isn't who you are. But it wasn't until I got radically honest with myself, even then, that I could do something different. It's really important to look at what not being honest with yourself is costing you, right? Because so many of us pretend that these things are no big deal and we sweep things under the rug. We sweep them under the rug. We sweep them under the rug. We ignore them. We deny them. We dismiss them. We diminish them. We allow other people to help us do that. And then eventually it snowballs, right? It snowballs because it starts to impact every other pillar of our life. Could I be my most efficient self sitting at my desk, working on files while drinking, essentially? Probably not. Probably wasn't some of my best work. I mean, I did well, 
you know, I made a lot of money even as a young person. I did okay, but could I have done better? Probably. Not being radically honest is costing you, me, us, something every time we refuse to give voice to truth. And so foundationally, those are the things that have to be in place and you have to be willing to embrace, I think, before you can walk away without regret. Some people walk away, but you play the go back and forth and straddle the fence game because these things are not in place. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you desire. You don't have a list of clear core values. You don't know, you haven't decided what you deserve. There's no governing decisions by how you live your life. You won't embrace radical honesty. Without those foundationally, I don't see how you can walk away and trust that you did the right thing and not live in all this regret. What makes us run back is the regret. And what makes us repeat the same scenarios with a new face or new space is just not being clear. Now, I know you are loving the Redefining Wealth podcast, but do you know what would take it up a notch? It's if you invested in a copy of my brand new book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, How to Stop Chasing Money and Finally Live Your Life's Purpose. Now on the podcast, you hear me talk about the six pillars of wealth every single week. That's fit, people, space, faith, work, and money. And I want you to incorporate this into your life. But let's be honest, the podcast isn't enough. I poured 114 lessons from my own life the rituals, the mindsets, the behaviors, the attitudes that I had to shift in order to redefine wealth for myself in each one of these pillars. And now I've made it available to you. So you can make sure to pick up your copy in paperback, hardcover, or even listen on Audible. Whatever you do, make this a part of your library today. So my sister, when I told her I was dating someone new, shared this with me. And it wasn't because anything was wrong. At that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. I'm so in love. I knew I wasn't in love, but you know what I'm saying? How, you know how we behave, ladies. We're like, oh my gosh. I don't even want to get into descriptions, um, <laughs> but a really great description. Whatever your version of like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Okay, that's what I was feeling. And my sister, my younger sister, Charmaine, um, sent me the prayer that she prayed uh, with her current fiance. And she said, sister, remember this prayer. God, show me this person as he is and not how I want to see him. Show me this person as he is and not how I want to see him. Essentially, my sister was giving me the prayer for what I had been teaching in my course, which was, or in my programs, which was, you have to be willing to deal with the unromanticized reality. Not the version that we make up, not the version that we want to see, but what actually is. And when you pray this prayer, oh baby, be so rooted in who you are and your self-love journey that you can act accordingly. Right. Um, so my sister gave me that prayer. I started praying it. And then I started to see things. 
like, okay, because, you know, we're in observation mode. So I started to see things, notice things. Okay. And I'm not one to just see it and not say anything. You know, your girl got something to say, but I know how to bring, you know, um, voice to truth and love. And I recognize for me, being able to love someone else begins with being able to love myself enough to tell them the truth about what I see. Being able to love someone else begins with me being able to love myself enough to tell them the truth about what I see. Because even if my perception, you know, may be off, telling the truth gives them an opportunity to correct or to to share a different perspective with me. So either way, there's no loss, right? But once I do that and behavior continues. So once we do that and the boss keeps calling at 10 p.m., right? I have to be willing to tell myself, again, the truth about what I need, want, and desire. I have to love myself enough to acknowledge when I don't feel safe, seen, or heard. I have to love myself enough to call out behavior that triggers me and then observe what happens when someone doesn't honor what I've shared and they haven't adjusted anything to make me feel protected. Right? I have to love myself enough to get the hell out of there and honor their decision to not honor me. I have to honor their decision to not honor me. My friend Doreen Rainey used to work in human resources back in the day. And she said that when it was time to terminate people, sometimes the way that she would have to break it down for them is, you know, you've clearly made a decision that this is no longer the work environment for you. And so today I want to honor that. You've You've made a decision because you agreed to show up at 8 a.m. every day. And now you've been here at 8, 17, 8, 32, 9, 12. Sometimes you don't come at all. So you clearly have made a decision that this is not what you want to do. This is not the space you want to be in. This is not the employer for you, right? In my case, I am not your person. Um, You know, in your case, it might be, you clearly made a decision that I'm not the best employee for you because you want to micromanage and not honor and all this stuff, right? Whatever it is, you've made a decision. I gave you an opportunity to correct and then you made a decision to continue to dishonor. Now, honoring myself is in my hands because a governing decision is that I will never be in a space that devalues me ever again in my life for any reason. That's a decision that I've I've made. So it doesn't matter if it's personal or professional. It doesn't matter if it's family or friends. It doesn't matter. The environment and all of that doesn't matter. It's ultimately how do I feel and is this in alignment for me? And here's what I've learned. Decisions become easier when I personally, this is mine, you have to decide what yours is. Decisions become easier when I prioritize and value peace over appearances. Come on, somebody. When I prioritize and value peace over appearances, I will never again live in a pretty prison of appearances. I will never again 
live in a space of, oh, we look good together. Look at our pictures. I will never be in a space of, well, this is a big company and it would look so good for me to be aligned with their brand. Never. Um, well, at least I have a corner office. At least the check is good. Come on, lady. At least the sex is good. Can we just be real? Okay, I'm gonna be real. This is the season of just being real because this is why some of us stay in things that we know we don't belong in. Well, at least this and at least that. No. When I recognize and accept the unromanticized reality of a relationship, a partnership, a situation, an environment, I prioritize peace over appearances. And I have learned to bow out quickly. Once I've made, you know, my case, once I've shared what works for me and what doesn't, if someone continues to dishonor that, disrespect me, not value that, I have made a decision that my peace comes before all. If I have to stay up all night wondering about how we're going to talk about it, if I have to keep hemming and hawing and walking on eggshells, that's not peace. I don't care how good we look together. That's not peaceful. I don't want to live like that. And the reason that I feel comfortable removing myself from those um, scenarios sooner than later is because I already have a process for how I process. I already filter things through the pillars. And because I live my life by the pillars, I'm so much more prepared. What does that mean? This is why I think people stay in toxic work environments, um, toxic friendships, toxic relationships, romantically or otherwise, much longer than they need to, right? It's because they're not prepared. They're not prepared mentally and physically to go. They're not prepared relationally to go. This person is your only support system. You haven't built up the people pillar, so you don't have any other support. Am I prepared environmentally, right? Am I prepared spiritually? Meaning I have built up my spiritual relationship to a point where I trust that any decision I make, God is in it because God is in me. The decisions that I make come from a place, a very faith-based place because I spend time in my faith pillar. So when you don't spend time in the faith pillar, it is so easy to keep going back and forth and questioning, was well, this me or is this God or is this, this or that? You start to learn to trust that voice within when you've had practice listening to it. So because I can listen to it and it's navigated me so well professionally, I know not to dismiss it because it's personal. What sense does that make? The same spirit that talked to me about launching the Redefining Wealth podcast is the same spirit that would be like, you are in a reality that you are romanticizing and you need to go. Same spirit. That's what I believe. So because I live that way, I'm already prepared spiritually. Are you prepared financially? You have to ask yourself, right? What, what, based on what you're saying, your value, how are you using the pillars to prepare you? You need to get prepared because there's going to be a time when you recognize that a season is coming to an end. And I want you to be prepared on how to walk away and stop romanticizing reality. So many of us, we prolong our own suffering and we keep ourselves from the financial stuff that we say we desire because we're in spaces 
that are toxic. We're in spaces where we are being tolerated and we are tolerating others and there's no celebration. There's no good energy. There's no good vibes and it is draining us. And you are too brilliant to allow yourself to be drained. You have too much purpose on your life to allow yourself to be drained by any person, place, or thing. And so we talk about, oh, I want to make more money and I want to do this. I want to live my life's purpose. Then you're going to have to clear some clutter. And sometimes that comes in the form of relationships or environments that you continue to show up in that have shown you they don't honor you and they don't serve you. What I have learned in this journey is my self-love dictates that I cannot be attached to the response people have to my boundaries. A lot of us say we set boundaries, but we don't enforce them because we're too attached to what other people may think. Are they going to be mad at me? Are they going to be upset? What are they going to feel? What are they? Listen, no one is more upset about a boundary than someone who is banking on continuing to benefit from your lack of boundaries forever. No one is more upset about you enforcing a boundary than someone who wanted you to stay on autopilot and in delusion forever. Because I believe that someone who loves you, honors you, respects you, it, you're not asking for anything crazy. And a lot of this is like, look, boundaries are really asking for basic stuff, right? <laughs> like basic respect, stuff that you would give to someone that you just met to a stranger, really. Like if you have someone in your life that um, raises their voice and talks to you crazy, do you go around raising your voice to talk it to people crazy? Just out in the street, much less someone that you are involved with. So when you say to someone, hey, your tone is very aggressive. I don't like this or I don't like that. You're not asking for nothing crazy. You're asking for basic, decent, communication. Don't let anyone make you doubt what you feel. Many of us, especially as Black women, have been so conditioned, and women in general, I think, but really Black women, have been so conditioned to dismiss our feelings, to suppress them, to push them down, to, to you know, allow people to tell us, well, it wasn't a big deal. It was just about this. It was just about that. The little arguments that you get in are never just about the thing, right? It's never about, oh, you left the milk out. It's a whole conversation around <laughs> disrespect in some other form or fashion, or you don't care, or you're not attentive to my needs, or you're, right? Don't let people dismiss away your feelings because those same feelings that get dismissed are gonna come back and deal with you in another pillar in some form or fashion. You're gonna pay for it one way or another. So when I share my boundaries, I'm not looking for the person who I'm sharing them with to be in agreement. I don't need the person who has harmed me to affirm they harmed me in order for me to acknowledge that I feel harmed. I'm not looking for their agreement, and I don't need them to give me permission to feel anything. I give myself permission to feel, right? I don't need their agreement to acknowledge my feelings because I'm doing the work in all the other pillars and I'm aware of my feelings. You can't jump in my body and tell me what I should feel. You can't jump in my thoughts and tell me I shouldn't um, be annoyed or frustrated by something that you're doing that is harmful to me or makes me feel some kind of way. 
or dismisses my, my boundaries, or you can't tell me that. We attach so much unconditional loyalty to people who don't deserve it. And I don't care if they're your mother, if, if they're a sibling, an employer, a significant other. We give so much unconditional loyalty to people who won't even acknowledge when they have harmed us in some way. And we've told them. Now, if you haven't told them, that's different. But I heard Nedra Tawab, who's also been on the podcast a, a couple of times, I heard Nedra say one time, can we really have love where there is intentional pain? Can we, can we really have love where there is intentional pain? So what are we being loyal to? People dishonoring our governing decisions, people lying, people manipulating, hidden abuse, gaslighting. What, what are we being loyal to? Why are we so attached to them getting in alignment with what we're saying? Once I share and you don't get in alignment, you've already shown me. What else are, what do we keep talking about? Right? Iyanla Van Zandt said, um, which was so profound for me at the time that I heard it in the situation I was in. She said, um, you don't get to tell people how to love you. And I'm paraphrasing. This is what I remember. You don't get to tell people how to love you. You get to see how they love and choose whether or not you want to participate. You don't get to tell people how to love you. You get to see how they love and choose whether or not you want to participate. People can do whatever they want, but we get to choose if we're going to go along with it. And so saying that so-and-so has been doing X, Y, Z for two and three and five and 10 and 15 and 20 years, you're choosing to continue to participate. Just bring awareness to the fact that it's your choice. And as long as you continue to choose that, why would they change? You've already taught them that it's acceptable. In my 15-year marriage, 19-year relationship, I taught my ex-husband that a lot of behavior that was harmful and was not helpful to me at all and did not honor me at all was acceptable because I chose to continue to stay even when he was very clear he was not changing. Not clear in his words, but clear in his actions. And I'm clear at this stage in my life that even an apology without change in my eyes is manipulation. And I still get to choose whether I'm going to participate. I'm not trying to get everyone to quit their job. <laughs> Let me be clear. I'm not trying to get everyone to leave their relationship. I'm not trying to get everyone to ditch friends that they've had forever. I'm just trying to get you to stop romanticizing reality and at least tell yourself the truth. If you're not gonna tell anyone else the truth, at least love yourself enough to tell the truth. We just have not been conditioned or empowered to tell ourselves the truth and then also to bring voice to truth, which means tell others. And even in giving voice to truth, one thing that I've learned is that even in having the conversation with people, it's not for me to have an expectation really of what they're gonna do. It's for me to have the conversation and then go into observation mode. 
And once I stay in observation mode for, you know, however many days, weeks, months, then I get to choose. Is this something I want to continue to participate in? So I want to end with this. I'm just going to give you five questions to ask yourself as you continue to explore this. First question is, what am I currently romanticizing? Get radically honest. You can use the pillars as a filter, as I always do. Look at each pillar and ask yourself, what am I currently romanticizing? And for the purposes of this episode, much of what we talked about was people pillar, romantic or even platonic relationships, and then also work pillar. Those are two big ones. Work environment is big. Some of y'all are in work environments that are killing you. And you need to be aware of that and do something about it. So what am I currently romanticizing? The next question, how does this make me feel? Give yourself permission to feel. Whether you're angry, you're sad, you're frustrated, you're annoyed, you're, you know, and some of you are going to have great feelings. Wonderful. It's just a, it's a filter. It's just a, a framework for how you can make sure that you're more in alignment than not, right? Third, is the connection worth the compromise? Is the connection worth the compromise? So is being connected to this job for the status worth the compromise of your soul? Is being connected to this person worth the compromise of your peace? You have to decide for you. Is the connection worth the compromise? Fourth, what is this costing me and other pillars of my life? When I feel the void in my relationship, when I feel this void at work, what is it costing me in my fit pillar? Mentally, am I exhausted? Physically, am I drained? What is it costing me in the space pillar? Is my environment a little chaotic because I can't focus and clear clutter anymore and get things together? Everything is everywhere. What is it costing me in the money pillar? Am I spending now to try to save uh, a relationship that is really going nowhere. So I'm trying to impress them. I'm buying people drinks at the bar to, to earn their friendship or I'm doing, I'm, I'm spending all this money because of the void I feel at work. What is it costing you? And then ultimately number five, what do I prioritize? For me, I prioritize peace over appearances. And as long as I use that as my filter, it is so much easier to make decisions. For me, I prioritize truth over agreement. Once I've given truth or given voice to truth, excuse me, um, and I've shared, like I won't ever hold anyone to a standard that I have not articulated. I won't. I don't think it's fair. But I'm so clear because of what we talked about at the top of the episode that I can go to my list, I can go to things, I can go back to what I said I wanted for myself and I can say, hey, this is something that I really value. I value consistency and I value grace and communication and I value peace and I value this. And if someone is bringing, bringing erratic, chaotic behavior into my life, well, what's the question? That's a no for me, easy. So when I look at what I prioritize, it becomes easier to make the decision. And then anytime I feel any hinge or twinge of guilt or I'm like, oh, maybe I should have, I just take it back to, no, you chose what was most peaceful for you. That can never be a loss. That's always a win, right? You wanna heal in the pillars. 
You want to heal in these pillars so that you can make choices authentically. This is not about what we want it to be. This is about accepting what is and then choosing to do whatever we need to do for ourselves. Living with radical honesty has been at the forefront of my life for the last couple of years. And I'm going to be the first to tell you it's not easy, but this journey has been so necessary for me. And I see how it's allowed me to move through my yes or no sooner, quicker, faster. What may have taken me six months in a last relationship just took me six weeks. We are like clearing through and plowing through in the most authentic way possible because I don't have to straddle the fence and dilly dally and him and ha and all this stuff. As a woman, I get to stand in my power. I get to stand in my truth. I get to stand firm in my convictions and know that I am living the most authentic version of me that I could possibly live at this time. And that is my desire for this audience. Cause I believe if you have purpose to fulfill, God has too much for you to do for you to get stuck drained and stuff that was never designed for you in the first place. And when you discovered it wasn't designed, you kept trying to force the issue. Mm -mm. We don't have to live that way. So again, um, I'm so grateful that I got to share this today. Um, and I really do hope it serves you in making your decisions on things that you may need to walk away from or at least get in motion or create your action plan. And I really just want you to get rooted in the pillars and what that means to you and, and what that looks like for you so that when your time comes to recognize that a season is up, you can do it with more grace, more ease, and more peace. Please share this episode with someone who you know is in the middle of transition, they're pivoting and they're making a lot of big decisions. I truly believe that it's going to be a blessing to so many people. And I want to see this episode really go far and wide because I truly desire that more of us can live more authentically and more abundantly and really experience the best that God has for us. Um, again, my name is Patrice Washington. Please rate and review this episode as well. And remember, I have several ways for you to begin to go through the pillars and redefine wealth for yourself. If you want to come over to patricewashington.com, take the quiz, it'll tell you which pillar you need to start with, and then get the book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself. Do the membership or apply to be a part of the mastermind or come into my next cohort for the micro mind. I just want you to literally be the most bold, confident, authentic version of you so you can get out there and live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever feeling like you have to chase money. God bless you, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.